I'm Aaron, that's Will. We are bringing you the passion, tradition and drama of college football to listeners down under. Because we fucking love college football. They hand it off to Johnson Boise State! Hello again and welcome to another episode of College Football Down Under. My name is Aaron Kemp. As always, I am joined by Will. I love Pete Murray Murden. How's it going today, Will? Massive Pete Murray fan. Obviously. Went and saw him live. Yeah, no, he was uh, at another gig. Like, Oh, at another gig. So you didn't specifically go to see Pete Murray. And when I Pete say Murray. gig, it's like Clipsal. <laughs> okay. So we're really digressing here. <laughs> okay. I don't know. Where to really go with that? But anyway, uh, now, obviously, in today's show, we're going to hit up all the Week 11 games. We're going to have a chat about the chalkboard, the schedule, championship draft. Uh, We're going to get into the playoff rankings as well. Uh, Just a quick bit of news before we get started. In case you're interested, today, Buffalo crushed Kent State 48-14. to there we go. That uh, is big news. That is big news. And they moved to 6-0 and in the MAC. So just a quick update as they play some... I have news. I have news. Oh, you have news? Yeah, I have news. Uh, there is a head coach who has been ousted. Oh, we, we said I nearly that made this my, my bold prediction, that the first head coach will go this Someone's week. gone. It's already happened. Mm. So David Beattie at Kansas. Yeah. Done. So we kind of touched on it in the last episode, but that has happened. And the front runner to replace him is currently Les Miles. Yeah, I did hear that. Now, Les Miles of LSU fame originally yep. uh, actually took them to a national championship. Was at Oklahoma State before that? Was at Oklahoma State before that. So, obviously, well-credentialed. Been out of the game for a little while, I think, Les Miles. Uh, only two years. Yeah. Think. So, not not really. Uh, it'd be a good get for them. He's a bit of a different cat, uh, eating grass on the sideline and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. But he's definitely got charisma and he'll... Bring a bit of uh, something to that program. To Lawrence, Kansas. I just fear that they tried that with Charlie Weiss. Yeah, that really didn't work. No, not at all. But hey, it would be good to see him join the Big 12 uh, as another interesting head coach there. Okay, let's dive straight in. We'll keep this uh, episode hopefully under an hour. Uh, the playoff rankings, Will. Now, I'm going to let you fire away first because I'm going to get particularly animated, particularly frustrated. Uh, we may cover on some of the same stuff here, but I'm going to let you go first. Okay, so, your thoughts on the playoff rankings that came out just yesterday. So, I was quite disappointed with one thing in particular with it, really, and it, it seems to be that SEC bias. Oh, that is literally what I've started with. So Yeah, yeah. Uh, undoubtedly. So, the, the big one, obviously, is LSU only dropping down to seven. From three. So, yes, they lost to the best team in the nation, and they have what you would consider two good losses, if there is such a thing. But they didn't just lose. They were beaten out of their own stadium. It was embarrassing. So, for them to only drop seven, I think, is really disrespectful to mainly Washington State and West Virginia. But also, I'd throw Ohio State in the mix there. I would like to see all three of those teams above LSU, 
Because when it comes down to it, I want to see what one of those guys can do against Alabama. Not the chance of a rematch for them to go up and have another shot. You know what I mean? I 100% agree. And I may... You're less animated than I feel I'm about to get because the SEC's got six teams in the top 16, which I completely disagree with. Uh, And like you said, you know, this team not only lost, they got beaten, they didn't score. And this was a team that already had concerns around their offense. And those concerns were emphatically validated against Alabama. So you are literally saying that we don't rate the Pac-12, we don't rate Washington State in the same way that we don't rate UCF. And I have got no time for that. If we continue down that little road, Kentucky, who got completely blown out by Georgia, yeah, they scored a couple late, but it was completely, they were handled, they weren't even in the game. They dropped two spots to number 11. What a joke that is. Florida got blown out by a team that hasn't won a game in their own conference yet. They dropped By Missouri, they dropped four spots to number 15. Give me a freaking break. On top of that, Mississippi State have a losing record in their own conference. A losing record. Now, while their defense is really good, their three losses, the offense has managed to score seven points, six points, and three points. I like the Bulldogs. I hate the SEC bias. And it it continues, and I've got no time for it. I think it's disgusting. You, you're kidding yourself if Mississippi State is the 16th best team in the country. Uh, it, It infuriates me. It continues to happen and it continues to promote this notion that the SEC is all powerful. And whilst they hold a lot of the financial backing, I think it's it's really, really unfair. I don't know. The issue is, is who do you put in there in their place? I don't really care, to be honest. But I think there's a lot of teams that are probably worth some crack at it. A team like UAB, they're 8-1. Give them a crack in the top 25. Uh, keep Cincinnati. They've dropped one game. And, you know, maybe not banging this Purdue drum early, but they beat Ohio State, they beat Iowa. Um, you know, I just think it's ridiculous. Yeah, I, I mean, I have less of uh, strong feelings around the lower-ranked ones, so your Floridas, your Kentuckys, because, as you said, there's not a whole heap behind them. There's a few group of five teams who have also lost. I mean, where they're undefeated, yep, sure, I think they should be ahead. I think UCF should definitely be ahead of Kentucky. But for me, it's mainly that LSU one. The fact that the two-loss LSU, who's just been stomped in their own building, is above Washington State, who's the best team in the Pac-12, that whole conference. And then West Virginia, who are a very good Big 12 team and you know could very well come out of the Big 12 as a champ. That's a joke. Uh, oh, yeah. And let's not pretend like LSU has set the world on fire at times. Oh, hard schedule, all that. Yeah, whatever. They're not scoring enough points. I got no time. And for it's it. only a hard schedule because they're playing these other so-called power teams that haven't really shown that they're power teams, except that they've played all these other SEC teams. It's it's a bit of a funny one. Yeah, funny one, bullshit one, whichever way we want to look at it. Anyway, let's jump onto the chalkboard today. Uh, I'm going to talk about uh, an offense that was adapted from the, from the run and shoot. It is still run today at both the college level and the high school level uh, quite commonly, and that is the Air Raid. (laughs) 
So Lavelle Edwards started this offense with BYU in the 1970s and 80s. Uh, from there, it was kind of taken by How Mummy and then Mike Leach uh, to Texas Tech. And Texas Tech had that famous win against Texas with Michael Trab uh, Crabtree catching that touchdown um, down that right sideline. Is that 10 years ago? It's a long time ago now. Yeah, it feels yeah. like not all that long ago. Yeah, yeah, I know. Um, but, you know, Mike Leach is now the head guy for the number eight team in the country in Washington State, although, they, sh as we just said, they should be a little bit higher than that. Um, and, you know, along with, you know, Mike Leach and How Mummy, they've been really, really integral in, their, in the development of the offense at, at Valdo Valdosta State. Uh, and Mike Leach learned his craft from, from How Mummy. Anyway, other notable names that you may have heard of or definitely will have heard of that major in the air raid, Art Bryles and now his son Kendall Bryles were brought up in the air raid. Sonny Dykes, who was at Cow uh, and is now the head man at SMU. Kevin Sumlin was at Texas A&M, now at Arizona. Dana Holgerson at West Virginia, and he's adapted that to do a little bit different things there with the Mountaineers, but he grew up in the air raid. Uh, and they're currently number 15 in the country. Cliff Kingsbury, who was a quarterback for Mike Leach and certainly a prodigy for him. He coaches Texas Tech now. And they're going pretty well this year. They pushed Oklahoma last week and continue to do some good things in the Big 12 on the back of that high-octane passing game. But being from the, the spread family, I guess, this is another pass-heavy system. Strong focus on throwing the ball downfield and using the screen game uh, with some kind of pitches and, and motion and things as an extension of their run game. They're not big running teams, that's for sure. I'm really disappointed you left my Cowboys out here. Oklahoma what? State, well, of course. Mike Gundy, come on. We are uh, cutting edge of the air raid. Yeah, again, Ad adapted fractionally. But yeah, number number of years they've been uh, top five offense in the nation. It's all because of the numbers you put up in this air raid offense, isn't it? Yeah, for sure. Uh, going into how it kind of looks, I guess schematically, there's a few key components, and the first one is the no huddle. Now, the no huddle is now a massive part of college football as a whole. And the no huddle is simply a form. We need to be a little bit careful between no huddle and up tempo because no huddle simply means uh, the communication from the coaches to the players is not delivered necessarily via the quarterback in a huddle situation, which we see, of course, on Sundays and still lots of college teams still use that. But it simply means they call their plays from the sideline through signaling or you know, they use boards or letters or numbers or colors or a combination of all these different things. Uh, and the idea of the no huddle is to get lined up super fast, keep defenses in their kind of base predictable plays and formations. And by getting lined up so quickly, defenses need to respect the, respect the fact that you could be snapping the ball extremely quickly as well. From there, coaches have to ch have may have a check with me system uh, where the quarterback may adjust routes or adjust the play completely based on what the defense is showing. Um, and that is the difference between the air raid and the run and shoot. The run and shoot was a lot of post-snap adjustments, whereas the air raid is all pre-snap. So they make their changes pre-snap, and then they get into whatever routes and route adjustments that they want to have. There are some comments and commentary that air raid teams have run six or 96 which is their four verts concept four verticals all running down the field um 
10 consecutive times. And they've actually called that same play 10 consecutive times, scored a touchdown from it. And all they do is just make route adjustments for maybe one player that changes what they're doing based on what the defense is leaving as a weakness. So where they leave a receiver uncovered, they might check it to a hitch or they might put a slant in if they're reading blitz or whatever the case may be. The other big part about the air raid is the line split. So the offensive line have got massive, massive gaps between them, like three-foot splits. Some even go fractionally wider than that at the high school level. Now, while this obviously allows rushing lanes to be wide, wide open on blitzes, it does do two things. As a heavy passing offense, it forces the defensive ends wider, which means they have to take longer to get to the quarterback. That's just obvious. But it also means if defenders do want to cheat inside, and they do want to try and blitz those gaps quickly, that, I mean, A, you turn the ball loose, but you can use that screen game and that kind of jet motion, jet sweep game to seal the edges because if they're cheating inside, your offensive linemen have got the angle on them to get those down blocks and and pick them off from the outside in so those flowing defenders can't uh, can't make plays and they just look to get to the edge. Uh, Texas Tech and Washington State are pretty much the true air raid guys that are left. All others are sort of semi-hybrid versions. Uh, it, it is a fun game to watch, and if you watch the Big 12, you will see air raid, true air raid or variations of the air raid, um, but often they're only run with a small package of plays. They may run mesh concepts, shallow, Y-cross, Y-corner, uh, verts, which we talked about 96, stick, a couple of screens, and that could be just about it. It's their ability to get lined up fast, go quickly, vary routes pre-snap. That is their biggest strength. And that is how they score so many points. So if there's all these points associated with this offense, why don't we see more teams run it? Why isn't it more widely used, I suppose? I think it's a philosophical thing that uh, teams... I mean, conferences have reputations. That's one thing referees have a say in that, that if they don't go fast, there's always talk that Big Ten referees are a bit slow to get the ball lined up. That can be frustrating. I mean, that's a small thing. I think the other big thing is what coaches want to do. A George, like, well, I say George Tech's not a good example because they run the exact opposite, a ball control offense, but you've got to be prepared as a coach that your team could go three and out in 13 seconds. That could happen. And you've been able to take no time off the clock. Your defense is then put under a world of pressure. And that is a philosophical battle that some coaches don't like. They would prefer to be able to try and run the ball, take some time off the clock, control the line of scrimmage, give their defense a bit of a breather, which you cannot always guarantee in these wide open spread offenses. Some coaches have even said to their offenses, you need to stop scoring so fast because our defense can't get a breather. Now, to me, that's completely ridiculous, but that is what some coaches have said. Yeah, that's got to be tongue-in-cheek. But I still think there must be supporters out there who are seeing their team, I don't know, maybe like Miami, who are not really getting it done, who would think, why don't we go air raid? Why can't we try something different that's fun to watch and... You know, has results, puts up points. Yeah, I mean, you've got to you've got to be aware of your recruiting ground. That has a big part to play in it. You've got to be aware that these quarterbacks. We talked a little bit about it with Case Keenum and the fact that they often are 
system quarterbacks. A lot of these guys don't go into the professional league. So if you're recruiting for a pro-type system and you're recruiting guys that believe they're going to take off into the NFL, uh, that maybe they're, they're afraid of that uh, stigma, I suppose, that is associated with it being a system-type offense. Plenty of these players have gone on into the NFL. I mean, you look at Patrick Mahomes just chopping it out. MVP in the NFL at the moment. Mm. Uh, and he's an ex-Texas Tech guy. So it can happen. It, you know, running backs go out of the game. I look at somewhere like Florida where I think you've got the athletes to do it. But running backs go out of the game a bit and there's a lot of running backs there. Uh, I'm not saying I'd be against it. I'm not saying I'm for it. I, I don't know where I see it. It would be good to see us put up some points at some yeah, stage. Yeah, I mean, it's just as the game becomes more and more focused on passing and it's a pass-happy game, I would expect more teams to be kind of taking bigger pieces of the air raid into their playbook. So not necessarily going all out and running no huddle everything and up-tempo everything, but it's definitely here to stay and it's only going to continue to grow, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. Uh, And there's still some of those concepts are involved, like you know, why corner is sale in another offense that a lot of teams do use uh, mesh concepts and, and, you know, Mark Richt was apparently famous for his mesh, mesh concept at, at Florida State when he was the offensive coordinator there. Haven't seen it at Miami once, but, you know, it'd be good if he could uh, perhaps introduce that. Uh, but a lot of this stuff is, it, the lines do get blurred. It was originally, again, another one of those offenses to even the playing field in the same way that, the triple option was because maybe you don't have the offensive line to bully people around and run the ball. So you need to start airing it out. Maybe you don't have necessarily super athletes on the outside either. You don't need freakish wide receivers to, to run this offense, but um, you know, maybe you don't have that and you're just using a well-run really fast up tempo offense to, to slow that defense down. Anyway, moving on. Uh, so that gives a, a bit of a look, I guess, at uh, another one of our offensive schemes. But moving on, uh, we will head to the game previews for the week. Will, your immediate thoughts on the schedule for week 11? A bit light on this week, isn't it, mate? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, there's enough juiciness in a couple of games, I think. doesn't have the heavy-hitting power across the board that last week did. But yeah, there's enough uh, to like. We were definitely spoilt last week. And this week, you don't have the quantity of ranked matchups. Uh, the couple that you do have are somewhat underwhelming. But there's definitely enough that's interesting to make up the, the lower pieces of the table, I suppose. I, I can't see anything at the top. You know, there's not too many on upset alert uh, of those who are fighting it out for playoff spots. But there's still enough for me to be dialed in and, and getting up. Just maybe not for that early slate this week. <laughs> okay. Uh, let's start with the biggest one then of the week. Number 10, Ohio State. Head to East Lansing to take on the number 18, Michigan State Spartans. Uh, this appears to be a game of two heavy hitting or semi-heavy hitting teams that just aren't quite putting it together this year for some reason. Now, Ohio State's still good. They've only dropped one, uh, but just haven't quite got that offense and defense going as they would have liked. This is a matchup, though, of strength versus strength. Ohio State's offense versus a very, very good Michigan State defense. 
Is this where the game's going to be won and lost, or how do you kind of see this one playing out? Well, the Buckeyes have got to get some sort of run game going, don't they? If, if they want to be at any way involved in the back end of this year, they need to start to do something with their running backs. They've been pretty poor in that area the last few weeks, and that's what's really hurt them. They, they were strong out the gates. They looked like a really good side. And then going, you know, the, the weeks leading into that Purdue game, they weren't able to run the ball. And then that was where they really got uh, shown up to say, you know, this is something that they need to be able to do to win in the Big Ten and win against good sides if they make it through to, you know, a decent bowl game or playoff game. So that's, for me, where this one's going to be won or lost. I mean, last year, Ohio State beat Michigan State 48-3. to Yeah, they creamed them. Absolutely pumped them. And that was coming off of a loss to Iowa. Uh, I can see a similar situation here where they're still not overly happy about that Purdue loss. Uh, a few doubts in the media now around Ohio State. And for me, this is one where I see them going on the road, but coming out and putting in their statement performance. Yeah, I... I don't know. I mean, I, just to touch on that run game, they're ranked 52 in the country, running the ball at 178 yards a game. But you need to be aware, and I know you always need to take it with a bit of a grain of salt, because opening game, they put up 375 yards on the ground against Oregon State. The following week, they put up 225 against Rutgers. So you take those two games out, uh, and they're obviously that average comes well down from there. In the last three games, they've put up, 92 against Minnesota, 76 in that loss to Purdue. And then they had a better day against a Nebraska team that they beat by five points. But that Nebraska team defense is also really, really bad. And and as these question marks are built up around Ohio State in the last month, like you said, the questions around their running game have become louder and louder as well. And that doesn't shape up well, really, in the fact that you're facing the number one rush defense in the country. So it'll be interesting to see if they commit to the run, how long they stay with it, uh, and if they can score enough points in the passing game to continue to try and run the ball. Because I think if they get behind and have to run the ball, uh, and you know if they get behind and are forced to just simply pass, that sort of plays into Michigan State's hands. What are your thoughts on the other side of the ball? You've got Ohio State's defense, which has been run on a bit. You've got... Michigan State's offense, which has been patchy at best, they've been inconsistent, struggling to put up points. Brian Lewerke and Rocky Lombardi at quarterback have had big games, like over 300 yards last week, but then really, really poor games. Uh, LJ Scott at running back has been banged up, and they can't really get that run game going. Do they have a chance to score enough points to be a high state? It'll be interesting. I was high on Brian Lewerke going into this year. I thought he could have a very good year, and he's been somewhat disappointed. Now he is hurt. Uh, Rocky Lombardi's had to step in whilst he has been uh, banged up, and I'm not sure who's going to get the start. I, from what I'm seeing, it looks like it's going to be Lewerke, but I don't think he's 100%. And you need to have a dynamic player at that position when you're going up against a talented defense like Ohio State. I don't think that they can get it done. They, they haven't shown enough, at least not consistently this year, to show that they can match it with Ohio State. I mean, yes, they've had some really good results, so it wouldn't shock me if they came out and really took it to them. But I think the balance of probabilities has Ohio State winning this one 
fairly comfortably in my eyes. Yeah, okay. I, if it if the weather turns south in East Lansing and it becomes a bit of a dreary, dire one, and and Ohio State can't get that run game going, then I give you know Sparty a a bit of a chance in this one. If it turns into a shootout, then Ohio State are just gonna make a mess. I think of of Michigan State, but I do give them, I do give the Spartans a puncher's chance. I'm, I'm not 100% confident, but I also wouldn't be surprised. It's a bit of an awkward one to play in. Ohio State can silence the doubters here, and I think they probably will on the weekend. Okay. All right, let's jump quickly into the SEC. Let's go with number 16, Mississippi State, at number one, Alabama. Alabama off their big win uh, against LSU. They shut them out completely. Mississippi State off the back of their win against Louisiana Tech, and they did that pretty comfortable. There's nothing really to say. I think Alabama proved what they needed to prove last week. They're just really, really good. Mississippi State, I think, again, will try and run the ball with Nick Fitzgerald. They won't be able to. Then they'll try and pass with Nick Fitzgerald. They won't be able to do that either. Then they'll return to the run. Uh, It'll be... A mess again, I would say, 35-3, something like that. Yeah, there's no way that I see Mississippi State scoring more than 14 points in this game. I think that's probably the cap for them. How, how are they getting 14 points exactly? And that's a very good question. <laughs> I mean, it's not on defense, it's not on special teams. And, I mean, Nick Fitzgerald, the Russian quarterback factor is, you know, has played in against Alabama historically. That's those are the the quarterbacks who have had success against them. You Cam Newton when he was at Auburn, uh, you Deshaun Watson, your uh, Johnny Manziel. All of these guys were able to get wins, but they had much better teams around them. Yeah, and different types as well. They could they, pass. They, could they were all really good passers of the football. Yeah, and they were more. Uh, I guess, agile than Nick Fitzgerald. He's a big dude. He's a load. Correct. Uh, and he just tries... They just call QB power. And, and, and that's playing right into Alabama's Exactly strength. right. He can run over some dudes at some other programs, but trying that with Alabama's front seven is just going to get you hurt. Yeah. So. <laughs> Good luck to him. I mean... I like Mississippi State's defense uh, a reasonable amount. I think they do a good job. Their defensive line has been impressive. But LSU's defense and their defensive line was impressive as well. and Didn't count for anything. Exactly. So Alabama in a very comfortable one for me. Yep. All right, across to the ACC. Number two, Clemson at number 17, Boston College in... ESPN's college game day head up there to Chestnut Hill, which is a good get for them because I doubt they would have ever been there before. Uh, but they'll enjoy that one. For me, Boston College is in over their head. Yes. I, they, they're they kind of like that guy who at 1.30, you're in the club and you see that guy who is in his jeans and sneakers and he's somehow hooking up with the hottest girl in the place. He doesn't realize how he's got there. He doesn't know how to keep it going, but he's just hoping it does somehow. That guy is Boston College. Okay. And and you're saying that there's another bloke who's coming in (laughs) much bigger than he is. Heap sexier. One of the Hemsworth boys is coming in. He's to about just, to roll in yeah. and just kind of slide right on and send him home. Exactly. Okay. Um, you know, they've they've done a good job of, of beating the, the opponents they've had in front of them, which is all you can ask a team to do, which has been which has been good. And and I don't mean any disrespect 
to BC, but they're a pretty normally kind of middling ACC Atlantic team with, that plays good defense, tries to run the ball. They've beaten Virginia Tech, who are down this year, Louisville, who can't stop anyone from doing anything, and a Miami team that are just playing bad this year. That's about it. Their losses are to NC State. They lost to Purdue, and their biggest weapon is AJ Dillon, who's banged up, and, and he's got an ankle injury, which is just lingering. Clemson rushing defense is the fifth in the country. The 20-point line seems like it could be in danger of being touched up by Clemson for me. Yeah, no, I, originally I liked Boston's chance in this one, but the more I look at it, you're spot on. They're out of their weight class here. And there's even though it's in Boston and they've got uh, game day there, and I'm sure you know the local community will be getting around it all of the college kids will be out and loving it this isn't a similar situation to oregon washington state this is a whole different ball game and clemson are going to win this one comfortably okay they'll just keep on ruling in their bid for a semi-final place all right into the big 12 now number 17 texas head to lubbock to face the texas tech red raiders This should be a good one. Texas off the back of a disappointing loss in a really entertaining game to West Virginia last week. And before that, uh, they lost to Oklahoma State. Uh, So they've had a couple of bad months so far, really, for Texas. They now face a Red Raiders team who is tough to beat at home. They pushed Oklahoma last week. They've continued to do some damage in the Big 12 they're winning where they should. They're pushing teams above them. How do you see this one playing out? Can Texas are Texas big couple of weeks going to continue to haunt them, or can they bounce back and beat Texas Tech? I mean, this is a good Texas team, and they were solid last year. They just need to find out how to win a game. If you go back to last season as well, they've dropped a number of games now by under seven points, and it's a bit of a concerning trend. I think... It does show that they are a talented side and that they're in most games that they play, but they should expect better, and I'm sure they do expect better, that they should be winning these games. I think this one uh, all comes down to the status of Alan Bowman, the showman. So he had that scary situation where he kind of dropped to his knees with head issues. Migraines and yeah, all sorts some of sort of like late onset concussion deal, yeah. and he's been in hospital. Yeah. He's still in hospital at the moment. He's had a tough year, lung collapsed, and and like... now this. So I very much doubt he gets up for this game, and he may be done for the year on the back of this. Uh, so with that said, I definitely think this is Texas's game. Uh, Lubbock, whilst it's you know. Uh, a home game for Texas Tech. I don't think it's the most formidable of uh, stadiums for them to go into and play. So whilst there's a bit of a rivalry here, I expect Texas to win this football game. Okay. I think it'll be a close one. I think this one is going to be a super entertaining one. It's going to be high scoring. And we saw Texas struggle to stop the pass a little bit last week. And that is not good news against the Red Raiders team. Like you said, if Alan Bowman was out there, I'd almost be tempted to lean Red Raiders in a bit of an upset. With Jet Duffy back there at uh, quarterback, he is a bit more mobile. He's going to make a few more errors, but he's also more likely to make that freakish play as well. I think Texas bounced back, but it wouldn't shock me to see the Raiders get up. Yep. 
All right. Okay. Staying in the Big 12, let's talk Bedlam, Will. Oklahoma State visit Norman and play the number six team in the country. Uh, obviously, you have been at a Bedlam game. What is it all about? Why does it get called Bedlam? How far back does this rivalry go? Is it really a rivalry? Uh, because it seems to be a little one-sided. Oh, it's massively one-sided. Uh, Oklahoma have well and truly held the wood over Oklahoma State. And it's... An interesting one, but I mean, something that they have always dominated as the big brother. Uh, They've predominantly been a football powerhouse, and it's only the last decade or so where Oklahoma State have really come to prevalence. Um, That's with a huge injection of like a billion dollars from Boone Pickin. A billion? Is that all? (laughs) Which really helps. (laughs) But uh, over the last 14 seasons, I think it's been 2 and 11. Uh, that and that since Mike Gundy's been in, so this has been historically the best time for Oklahoma State, and yet still they haven't been able to get it done. So I was lucky enough when I was there that I was one of those wins, and it, and it was such a great day. That was when we got to storm the field, but it has caused more hurt than anything else over the last you know stretch. Well, I think I've watched a number with you, and it's always close. It's like, always, it always a great game. Like last year was crazy. Yep, fourth down picks on strange pass interference calls and uh, a lot of points being scored a lot of yards being put up it's always a ripper we just always seem to end up on the wrong side of it and it's really disappointing but that's why even though Oklahoma State are down a little bit this year and the game is being played in Norman I still think this is one to watch if if you dialed in have a, have a look around for it because this often turns into a great game and there's a good chance that we'll see that again. And it's worth having a look at the pregame as well. It's obviously a big build-up that week, I assume, as well for both teams. And with Oklahoma State really not having a lot to play for at the back end of the season, knocking off Oklahoma would... This becomes your kind of grand final, so to speak. 100%. This is very much, you know, kind of... If Oklahoma State are able to pull out a win here, it's not the disappointing season that it's looking like. Yeah. It, it's, yeah, okay, we didn't get to the bowl game that we wanted to. We didn't win the Big 12, but it's not a bad year. Yeah, and now Oklahoma aren't, are definitely not going to win the national championship. So Correct. that's a massive win. All right, other games around the country. By the way, just on that one, I believe that Oklahoma are going to win. <laughs> Sorry, Will. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, mate. Uh, other games around the country. USF at Cincinnati, which is a battle of the Aussie punters and, and two pretty good teams. Uh, who's your pick for that one between the Bulls and the Bearcats? You, you can give another cat joke if you like. Will I... No, no cat jokes this time. I think that the uh, Bulls will win this one. You're on the Trent Schneider-led Bulls. Yes, I, I think they're going to pull out the win. I think they're uh, the underdogs in this one, uh, but quite significantly too. I think it's 12 points or something. But Cincinnati have been a little bit scratchy, even though they have one of the best punters in all of college football. James Smith, yes. I really like uh, South Florida's chances on the road here, and I'd I'd back them as a dark horse underdog. Okay. Uh, All right. Northwestern play the number 21 team in the country in Iowa uh, in a game that has some big 10 West implications. Uh, Things are getting tight at the top in that particular Division, TCU at West Virginia, maybe, maybe not. South Carolina at Florida, if Jake Bentley can back up and play a good game, they may give the Gators a run. 
Thoughts on Wisconsin at Penn State. Is there any chance that uh, Wisconsin can win that game? Obviously, without Alex Hornibrook, uh, Penn State playing in Happy Valley. All signs sort of point at this stage to the Nittany Lions winning that one. Yeah, that's why I really like Wisconsin in this one. They're, they're a good team. They're a, an overlooked team normally going into the year. I think this year they were kind of pumped up a bit because they had such a great season last year and they won quite convincingly to begin the year and then the wheels started to come off a little bit. They dropped that game to BYU, which was disappointing. But get make no mistake, this is a decent football team, a well-coached football team, and I think... With everyone overlooking them, that puts them in a perfect spot to upset this week. Yeah, don't hate it. And they've got Jonathan Taylor at, at halfback as well, running back, and he's going to put up yards. Exactly right. He's the centerpiece. It's it's not that they need a quarterback like most other teams do because anyone can hand the ball off. <laughs> I could do that. Good. Bumble. I've seen you do that. <laughs> exactly. I could end up in a mess. All right. This one not going to probably be a great game, but Kansas visit Kansas State. Two teams with identical records in the Big 12, and they play for the Governor's Trophy. The Governor's Trophy. The Governor's Trophy. Okay. Virginia Tech at Pitt, which has ACC coastal relevancy. Purdue at Minnesota. I'm actually going to watch this because I'm getting on Purdue the whole way home. And you were on Minnesota earlier in the year. I was on Minnesota earlier in the year as well. So a gopher boilermaker battle in the Big Ten. Uh, but that game does have Big Ten West uh, consequences as well. Uh, Temple at Houston. Houston dropping one last week would have been a little bit disappointed to the Sunny Dykes-led SMU Mustangs. Uh, this one's going to be important in the American. I see Houston managing this one just fine. Uh, your thoughts on this one? Yeah, I think they'll bounce back. I think they'll get their offense going. Uh, Temple are a decent football team. They really took it to UCF, but I expect Houston to win this one at home. Yeah, and Temple's quarterback, his name escapes me at the moment, but they've been putting up numbers uh, lately through the air, which has been impressive for them. Unfortunately for them, though, Derek King has been doing the same. So Very much so, yeah. He's been running up. You know, as me- the biggest numbers in the group of five, I think, from a quarterback position. Yeah. Okay. You've got Florida State at Notre Dame, number three team in the country. They should handle uh, the Seminoles pretty comfortably there. LSU at Arkansas. Don't think that'll be too much to watch either. But again, you've got to see if LSU can bounce back after their loss. You've got Texas uh, playing Texas Tech. Sorry, we mentioned that one earlier. Oregon at Utah. Auburn at Georgia. Now, this is a ranked game. We haven't gone into any great detail on it, but is there any chance that Auburn can get their run game going uh, when they visit Athens this week? I like Auburn as a football team. I think they've been a bit overlooked this year, but they're not in the same division as Georgia. I mean, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That, that, That is... Correct. That, they, that, are not in the same, <laughs> they are not in the same division as Georgia. But I'm thinking more uh, where they're at in terms of talent this year. Uh, Could have jo- gone stratosphere. Could have used any other descriptive word there to explain. Oh, no, I need to get the old thesaurus out. <laughs> Normally, um, I've got synonyms. <laughs> right, click synonyms. Yeah, exactly right. I can bring that up. But uh, at a loss here... Uh, yeah, I mean, Georgia are a much better football team and I think that will show in this one. 
Okay, and Michigan, who have now jumped up to the number four team in the country, uh, visit Rutgers, who have not won in the Big Ten yet. So the line there is set at 40. So it'd be interesting to see if Michigan can get around that mark or not. That seems like an awfully it's a lot of gaudy line, if you're asking me. But um, It's a lot of points, but as we have seen time and time again this year... Will can't pick a winner. They're pretty good at picking those lines. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, that's true. So if that ended up a 40-point win, wouldn't surprise me. All right, time for Aaron's weekly schedule. Let's see if I can get a giggle out of Will this week. 3.30 is the new get-up time. You're definitely not still awake, though. The alarm is an absolute necessity. I mean, getting home after your 10-year high school reunion didn't exactly keep you up too late. You were looking forward to the night, catching up with old friends, maybe rekindling an old flame with the hottest girl in the year. Unfortunately, the hottest girl in the year has three kids and three scars to prove it. While she doesn't, current, while she doesn't currently have a partner, motherhood has treated her poorly and she resembles one of your teachers more than the girl used to grope behind the PE shed. After a night of awkward conversation, you end up hanging out and getting drunk with the same people you hung out with and got drunk with last week. A class full of promise has proceeded to wane into insignificance, despite a number of kids, a couple of premature deaths and a meth addiction. At 3.30, you've got Ohio State at Michigan State and maybe Maryland at Indiana, only really because that line is close. Three scars? I'm pretty sure that's not how it works. I don't know how it works. Okay. 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 They just keep adding to the scar. They just reopen it. Is that how it works? I believe that's it. Yeah. Uh, okay. Right. I just assumed you kind of it was like notches on the bedpost. You just kind of just kept adding different to bits. <laughs> okay. Dude, I'm out of my league here. I've got no idea. This is more down your alley than mine. Don't look at me. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I went through it, and it wasn't pretty. I saw a lot more than I wanted to. I give you that tip. But I ain't no expert in it. All right. A massive, massive night last night to the tune of 400 bucks. And that doesn't include the douchebag man fedora you bought because some girls said you look like kind of Johnny Depp, but like not. You wake up feeling sticky and tasting something sweet and gross. You must have had at least a million VCRs, but at some stage they tipped you sideways. You get up to go to the toilet and immediately feel that this was not the right move. As gravity moves your intestines into their normal standing position, the feeling of nausea sweeps over you. The saliva in your mouth starts to build and you begin to see spots. You make your way down to the toilet, praying that you don't cover the carpet in Coke, raspberry, cordial, vodka and Big Mac from the night before. After hugging the toilet bowl for the best part of an hour, you decide to try breakfast. Bad move. Back to the toilet we go. At least you have your phone to stream a broadcast while you hell. The Sunday morning spewer time slot at 7 o'clock. That is close to home. <laughs> I know it does. <laughs> Not for me, more for you. Yeah, no, I have lived that life. <laughs> All right, you got Bedlam with Oklahoma State v. Oklahoma and Northwestern at Iowa. Bit of a lacking a little bit there outside the Bedlam game. Uh you know, maybe just sleep in past the 7 o'clock time. Nah, get up, watch Bedlam. It'll be a ripper. <laughs> All right. You're a uni student working your casual job. Normally, you would head off to work on a Sunday feeling hungover as you did some bad things the night before and now you have to go spend a Sunday working in a shitty factory. If your three-year three bachelor of arts held any value, you may actually try, but you don't. 
You rock up to the occasional lecture, some of the shoots, and manage to get some passes. Just. You realise that your job putting little slips of paper in the top of coat hangers is maybe the best job you can hope for at this point. After deciding this, may, my, after deciding this may be the most fucking depressing revelation you have ever had, you think you might try harder at uni. Then, your boss calls and says your shift has been cancelled. This has pros and cons. You're back to eating ramen noodles, but more importantly, you can watch the 11 o'clock time slot. South Florida at Cincinnati's at 10.30, Temple at Houston 10.30, Texas Tech at Sorry, Texas at Texas Tech is the 11 o'clock game. And Clemson at Boston College at 11.30. That is worth a look. Make sure you stick around for that midday-ish time slot. Late morning, midday-ish time slot. Yeah, that's a decent slate of games there. That'd yeah. be a good one. Yeah. All right, well, championship draft time. Here we go. So here's our chance to talk about our stables. And we've done all right. I mean, we're definitely up around. You've... Certainly taken the box seat. Yes, kind of box seat in terms of volume. I need some slip-ups to go my way, though. Okay, so let's run through it. Who have you got? I have got uh, number two, Clemson. Number four, Michigan. Number five, Georgia. Number six, Oklahoma. Okay, and I've got number one, Alabama. Number three, Notre Dame. Number seven, LSU. Somehow they're seven. And number 10, Ohio State. I will trade you Georgia, Oklahoma, and Michigan for Alabama. Yeah, nah. <laughs> no deal. <laughs> no dice. I'm, I'm pretty happy with them sitting at one there. Okay. Uh, your choice, I think, Will. Actually, is it me? No, it's I me, think isn't it's it? You. It's me, it's but you. it's irrelevant anyway because I'm not going anywhere at this stage. I'm pretty happy with Michigan jumping up into the top four, which gives me two in the playoff at this particular time and then i've got the next two if any one of those lose so i feel like i'm sitting pretty at the moment yeah you don't really have anywhere to move do you it doesn't no. make much sense so <laughs> yeah i can't trading, really, can't trading really backwards. get stuck in here this yeah. week for your boringness in this segment yeah good uh for me what are my last two moves been really bad well i uh i, I can't remember what you i turfed lsu and i brought in west virginia yeah and then that didn't go so well for West Virginia. So I turfed you brought West- Texas back, didn't you? No, no, no. I, I turfed West Virginia and brought LSU, LSU back, back in. Sorry, you did too, yeah. So let's go again. <laughs> LSU, on your way. I don't care if you're ranked seven and higher at the moment. You're out, and I'll bring West Virginia back in. Just swapsies. I mean, I mean, that makes sense. I don't know how the Mountaineers would feel about it. They'd feel like you just... Just happy to be amongst it. Playing both sides, aren't you? They're, uh, they're a loose bunch up in Morgantown. Oh, that, so is, that is true. They're grateful to be part of the party. All right. Uh, so, yeah, they, they will come into the team. I've gone them over Washington State just because I think they will have a chance to play Oklahoma in the Big 12 game if things shake out there. So if there is upsets higher up, then that gets them in a better position than it would LSU or essentially... I don't see any way they can possibly get into the top four. Okay, so say West Virginia, I mean, probably at this stage, they're going to struggle to get in anyway, but say West Virginia run the table. Yep. Do they jump LSU? Yes, 100%. If they, if they win the Big 12 championship? You would hope. Yes, and, and that's why I think it's strange that they're below them at the moment because it's kind of all a bit ridiculous if 
West Virginia player. I think they're going that saying, right now, if the two teams faced off on a neutral field, LSU would win. I don't agree with that, but I guess that's the logic that they're trying to apply here. Yeah, I mean, we always talked about losses later in the season are never great. This is We're getting into the later part of the season now, and uh, hey, they managed to... Uh, you know, stay relevant somehow. Without putting up any points. Without scoring. All right, so it looks like the championship draft is really coming to the pointy end here. There's not going to be a lot of movement from this point out, I would suggest. All right, bold prediction time. My favorite time of the week. What's it going to be? We'll kick us off. You need to have a good name, obviously. So let's have a crack. So you're going with me first? All I'm right. going with you first. Back in my day... Back in my day. Yes. Okay. So I'm going to pitch this can, to can, you. Can I have a crack here? No, no, no. no. I, I want to get oh, you involved though. I want to have a guess at what this might be. I, I want you involved. I want you to name some powerhouse teams yeah, that's where I thought you from going. the 90s and early 2000s. 90s, early 2000s. Give me, what, give me some power programs. Well, you're talking Oklahoma, Nebraska, Florida State. Okay, Florida State. We'll take them. Okay. They're going to lose this week to Notre Dame. Not that bold, but that's going to happen. Who else? Texas. Texas will lose to Tech. Let's include them. Who else? Miami? Miami. They'll lose to Georgia Tech. Let's <laughs> chuck them in. Uh, Oklahoma? No, they're going to win. Ugh, I hope not. <laughs> but we won't include them in this one. Back in my day, back in my day. What else have we got there? Uh, we'll look at USC. Oh, yeah. Of they're course, gonna, They're going to lose their home game to Cal. Okay. And the other one I'm throwing in there is Florida. Okay. Big, big favorites over South Carolina. They are a bit meh back in the 2000s. Late uh, 90s, 2000s. They came good again with Tebow. And, anyway. Yeah. I, okay, but we're throwing them in there as okay. well. They're uh, big favorites at home against South Carolina. They'll lose that one. So I've got... Okay, so take us through that again. USC will day. lose to Cow. Florida State will lose to Notre Dame. Texas will lose to Texas Tech. Miami will lose to Georgia Tech. And Florida will lose to South Carolina. Okay, so you've got three favourites and two underdogs there, I think. Uh, Notre Dame would be favourite. Notre Dame and Georgia Tech are favourites. Everyone else is an underdog. As a multi, it's paying 30 bucks. If I could jag four of the five, I think I've done well, but we'll see how this one goes. So you're going for all five? Yeah, sure. Why not? (laughs) Okay, speaking of bold, I'm going even bolder. I'm going, I'm tipping the time slot. So, I'm going to pick the winner of every 3.30 game. Okay, here we go. West Virginia are going to beat TCU. Ohio State over Michigan State. But I'm going to take Michigan State plus the points. <laughs> Just quietly. But, uh, Ohio State to win that one. UCF to beat Navy. Florida to whoop South Carolina. So, going against you. Yep. Uh, Penn State to beat Wisconsin. Eastern Michigan to beat Akron. <laughs> we talked a lot about the Zips this year. Whose mascot is a kangaroo. Probably should give them more airtime. Memphis will beat up on Tulsa. SMU will smoke UConn. K-State over Kansas. BYU over UMass and Wills Minutemen. Army over Lafayette. Missouri to beat the boys from Nashville in Vandy. Texas A&M to beat Old Miss. Nebraska over Illinois, and Indiana over Maryland. Okay, so how many underdogs in that line? Do you uh, know? Not a whole heap, okay. I don't think. It doesn't matter. You're not getting all of that. <laughs> I'm a bit nervous. There's two games that give me a little bit of nerves. Actually, I think I did pick... Well, I can't remember. 
Indiana and Maryland. Uh, Indiana are one and a half point favorites. I'm still picking them because I think they're better. The other one that I was close to picking was Michigan State to beat Ohio State, but I think I have picked mostly favorites there. Okay, yeah, so... Uh, as a result, that will not play out. Favourites in the 3.30 time slot. Hey, it could happen. All right, we better keep this thing humming along here. Now, Will, now that we are 22 and a half grand in the shitter, can you please, please give me some faint hope that we, at some stage, can give our listeners some positive news with... Even just an opportunity to win some money. Just some positive news. Like even something close. Just get them close. (laughs) All right. Let's talk to us. You're on the punt. I am here to bring you winners. Okay, here we go. On the punt. So as Aaron has so eloquently put there, things aren't going great (laughs) this year. We're uh, losing, we're hemorrhaging money really. <laughs> it's it's disgusting. So now I'm just, I don't know, I'm getting weird. I'm getting after it, throwing stuff around. This week we're uh, backing six teams and we're going to put a half unit on any three to win. So there's 20 combos in there. <laughs> All right. So your half unit will end up being 10 units across those 20 combos. So six teams... Any three to win. And obviously, the more that win, the more money we make. So if all six win, then all of those combos come in and we'll be rich. I'm not a big betting guy, but this is confusing. Don't worry about it. (laughs) So first one here, we're picking an underdog. uh, At home, Tennessee over Kentucky. Paying about three bucks at the moment. I like them in this spot. I think, Do you? Yeah, I think Kentucky... So the same team that scored 14 points against Charlotte is going to somehow move the ball against Elite the defense. Dudes. Elite defense. <laughs> okay. I think at home they will uh, get away with this one. I think three bucks is great money for them at home. I think they are, whilst disappointing last week, still uh, an okay team. And I think Kentucky will be disappointing after uh, a disappointing result last week. Shit, there's that dictionary again. <laughs> Next one, another <laughs> underdog, uh, Colorado at home. Oh, no. So we're taking them $3.10 against Washington State. <laughs> don't, don't do it. So Washington State are obviously, you know, the cream of the Pac-12. But the way the Pac-12's gone this year, they just keep beating each other up. And I think that continues this week. I think Colorado gets the win. So there's another $3.10. Hang on. Who have Col- Colorado beaten? Don't worry about it. They've dropped their last four. They're due. We're taking Colorado here. Oh, uh, next one, West Virginia to Shit. beat TCU. We West can do that. Virgi- yeah, 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 yeah. Dollar twenty. Out of so that's a bit of a bit of a filler there, but that's one of those ones that we need to get these. Colorado are getting six points. In case you're interested, at the line there. Doesn't matter. Colorado three dollars ten <laughs> straight up to win. <laughs> All right. Uh, next one, Maryland, on the road at Indiana. Uh, slight underdogs there. So you get $2.10. I like Maryland in this spot. I don't think Indiana are all that much chop. Maryland have a good run game. So I think they will uh, win that one. Uh, I'm taking Ohio State at the line, which is minus three. So I expect them to win and win big. So you get them for about $1.91. Uh, and then the last one, we're taking Wisconsin on the road at Penn State. They're uh, rank outsiders at $3.80. So all all six combined here uh, offer me 
odds of $213. <laughs> so we're going to chuck a unit on that. Okay. So we'll have one unit on that. We'll on have all, on all six. On all six. Okay. So as your multi, 213 uh, to one on your unit there. So if that comes in, we're back. We've, <laughs> we've made that money back and we're looking pretty. Uh, then we've got a half unit on any th- win, any three win. Okay. So, so you said you were taking Ohio State at the line. Yes. Does that have does that have to be the win or is no, that the win? That's at that? the line. So that's okay. minus three. Okay. All right. So all the other ones are to win. So quickly, we're taking Tennessee, Colorado, West Virginia, Maryland, Ohio State at the line, and Wisconsin. Right, and you can put a combo on any three of those. Uh, well, I'm putting. Half a unit on every one of those. Okay. For three of them to come in. Right, right, right. But obviously, the more that win, the more combos you get. Right. You might have to continue to explain this to me. Apparently. (laughs) I've got issues. And this is why my bank account doesn't move as much as Will's. All right. Uh, That brings us to the end of our week 11 preview. Please do hit us up on Twitter and on Instagram at College Football Down Under. Tell all your friends about us. If you've got mates that are into college football, please get them on board. Leave us those five-star reviews. They do mean a lot to us. Uh, And enjoy another hopefully big week of college football as we build towards the crescendo of season 2018 my name is aaron that over there is will and we will see you next time